This is the Conjoined Podcast. I'm Tay, and I'm here with Hope and with Bonarina of my skull, aka Terry, and we're super excited to talk to you. Hello. I'm super excited to be here. You've written like so much meta and also some wonderful fic and art, and um, I'm wondering how you got specifically into the meta game. Um, it was kind of by accident. Like I had watched the show the first season, and I was obsessed, as we all are. <laughs> I was like, I have to go. I don't know. I just started, you know, just searching for it online and, and seeing what was going on. I had never even heard of Tumblr at that point in time in my life. Um, I didn't even know it existed. But all of the interesting conversations were happening there. And so I got a Tumblr account and I'm like, I, I want to participate in this. And there were some great, really great, thorough, artistic writers who were writing about Hannibal at that time. People like Lucifer and 22 Drunk B, also known as First Society and they were um, those are the ones who really stand in my memory um, although I'm sure there are many others and I was just like I want to I want to be a part of what these people are doing and uh, and so I started that and it took a while like it took a while before I got any followers it was took some months and uh, and then it slowly sort of became a thing by the time season two started cool so you hadn't like you hadn't heard of fandom in general before that you kind of just went looking for more Hannibal content and found it through that. I'd always been sort of what I would call like fandom adjacent. Like I had been involved in a, in a, a band fandom when I was in my teens back before there was like a real internet because I'm that old. And I had um, had a friend who was who was writing fanfic for Transformers. Uh, way back in the 90s and uh, and just passing around zines and stuff like that. Um, I had been in, involved in curating zines when I was in college. That was one of the duties that I had had to do as a in part of my internship as a writing internship. I had had to make a collection of zines to send to Washington D.C. Believe it or not, for a a uh, museum exhibit that was going to go into our nation's capital and uh, and. You know, and then just being involved on Live Journal and things over the course of the years, but never myself like being involved. Like I had to look up what the word ship meant when I started Hannibal. I had no idea. I had no idea at all. Like it was such a revelation. So zines, like fanzines? Yeah, they were mostly fanzines by, if I remember correctly. I mean, I'm sure there was more to it than just what I remember, but they were mostly gay men's fanzines. Um, and I don't know that I don't remember a lot of fan in them. I just remember a lot of gay men in them, to be honest. <laughs> and uh, which, you know, for me being 20, I don't know, 21 years old or whatever I was, it was quite a revelation at the time. In the early, in, let's see, late 90s. It would have been the late 90s. Mm-hmm. Long time ago. That's awesome. Had you had any um, like impressions of like the Hannibal Lecter franchise before the show? Or was that also your introduction to kind of that IP? I was a fan. Um, I had um, I first watched the Sun Slams um, when I was like 16 years old or something like that. Um, it had I think it had been out about a year. It was before it won all of its Oscars because I was so enraptured with it that I made sure to watch the Oscars that year because it was it had all of those nominations and uh, and it was a very exciting night to win all of those um, awards that it won and uh, and watch Anthony Hopkins, you know doing this thing and then I had gone from there I went ahead and and bought Red Dragon and bought the Silent Slimes the books which I did not like as well as the movie um, but I really loved Red Dragon and that was all that was out at the time I mean there was uh, I didn't know of the existence of um, 
Manhunter, the movie, but that was all that was there. And uh, and then some years later, the um, the Hannibal movie, book and movie came out, I think in very short um, relationship to each other. And there was that immediate sort of pushback about Clarice and eating brains and all that business. I, I could took what Jody Jody Foster's reaction to it and just was like, you know, I'm not going to touch this and left it alone. And I never had watched it. And I don't think I ever, I never did watch it um, or read the book until after I started watching the Hannibal series. And then at the point in time after I'd watched the Hannibal series and I was engaging in the meta conversation, I was like, I need to read this. I need to watch the movie. I need to know what happened and, and just to see whether or not my reaction is similar to the reactions that I had expected to have. And it was like not super impressed kind of reaction. You know, it was just it for me. And I realized that everyone's mileage may vary on this, but for me, that book Hannibal spent too much time on Hannibal and not enough time on Clarice. And so you ended up with that period of time in which he is running around Florence and and they had the whole, you know, different people coming after him um, and then changing their mind about whether or not they wanted to come after him, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, and it was just, it was sort of glacially paced. And a lot of that time, I think, could could have been spent really building up that Clarice could have chosen the path that she chose or the path that she was given, depending on whether you believe she was brainwashed. Either way, that time wasn't spent. And and the people that, that cite, oh, no, this was built in the books, they really only have about five or six things. You know, over the course of 900 pages of, or some crazy thing, they really only have about five or six things that they can cite as reasons why Clarice would do this. So I, you know, I, I didn't find it believable, not because I absolutely couldn't believe that Clarice wouldn't do this, but, but because I didn't feel like the buildup was there. And, uh, and I feel like the story just spun its wheels in places that it didn't need to spin its wheels. I did watch a little bit of the first episode of the new Clarice show uh, last night. <laughs> so I'm, I'm curious, did you have any interest in that? I, I sort of do, but I recently just like dismissed, I don't even know if I have CBS, it's on CBS, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't even know if I have CBS. I recently, because I'm being a middle-aged woman like I am, I was like, I didn't really want to switch to all, all streaming services until they came out with Discovery Plus. And now that they have Discovery Plus, I want to have them. So we actually got rid of our satellite service provider and... Um, and now I just have streaming services, and I don't even know if Clarice is on any of the streaming services that we actually subscribe to. I would have to look. I have read some things about it, and it sounds like critical opinion is a little tepid at this point, but that's really all I know. Yeah, I didn't even watch the whole episode. I, I kind of like did the opposite thing as you. I just got cable for the first time in my life, like a month <laughs> ago. So I like watched it on TV. I was like, what is this? It's like coming to me on the television. Yeah. I don't understand. There's ads. <laughs> really weird. Yeah, I do not miss the ads. I was watching some YouTube videos earlier today, and I'm like, what is this nonsense? Do I actually get, have to get a YouTube account? You can actually use an ad blocker to get rid of those. So you were watching and writing, at least like it seems to me, and it seems like a lot of our, our listeners also wrote in and were kind of talking about how they, you know, considered you very authoritative on, on this subject matter. <laughs> and um, 
you know, you were, you were kind of watching the show and, and writing as it went along. Do you think that like producing an interpretation, did that like affect your experience of of watching it? What was it like to to watch a show kind of knowing that people were going to come to you and um, and ask you to interpret it for them? It was almost a full time job. It was it was so season two, especially season three was a little lighter because because we knew we'd been canceled. And um, and that that kind of cast a whole different attitude over everything it was that we were doing at the time. But season two, especially, it was airing uh, on Friday nights for the first time. Um, it had been airing on on Thursday nights. And, and I was I had gotten my mother into the show. My mother's turning 80 this weekend, actually. Um, so she would have been 75, I guess, back then, or 74. And uh, and she was into it. And so my, my life was like I would get done with work. I would drive over to my mother's house, which is about 45 minutes away. I would um, we'd sit down. We would, you know, hope that the, that the show would come on, that it wouldn't get preempted by basketball. Um, which was a, a major prayer, which was not often answered. And I would have to avoid all spoilers because I'm on the West Coast and, you know, all the East Coast, it had aired, you know, two or three hours before and just and then watch it. And I would have to avoid my Tumblr, right, because people would already be posting GIFs of it. They would already be posting. Um, they would already be sending me questions. And, and by the time I got done with watching the episode the first time, I might have six, 10, 12 questions in my inbox already. Um, and and I'd only seen it once, right? And and it oftentimes were things I hadn't even thought about. You like just hadn't, and I was gonna have to go back and watch it. So I had purchased all of the episodes on Amazon in order to be able to go back. So what I typically did was I watched it at home with my mom. I would come home after we, you know, the evening was over and then I might sit down and watch it, you know, one or two more times that night before going to bed. I would get up in the morning. I would look at my questions. I would watch it again and then kind of get the, the, answers to the questions kind of formulated in my mind go through the easy ones of course and then and the ones I had to spend more time on um, if, if I could be done with all of the questions that came in by Sunday then I was in a good shape mm-hmm. and that wasn't a guarantee but it would be that would be the hope for the weekend and my whole weekend was dedicated to that that was totally different than season one season one was just Thursday nights 10 o'clock I would watch it I knew I had a I knew I had an addiction problem when it was like one o'clock in the morning on Thursday night and I'd watched it three times and that I think I did that with the episode of Georgia Madsen which is a classic horror episode I was like normally would have been just scared shitless <laughs> like <laughs> waiting for something to get me out from under the bed but I was just sitting in here in my living room in the dark watching this thing going oh so good <laughs> and so um, and then and then I didn't have to worry about thinking it through or anything like that. And so actually, when I came to the fandom, I, I had a lot of questions of my own. And those that those questions were answered by those people that were already writing meta at the time. And so I owe a lot to them for my ability to understand this show and then being able to answer questions. You know, that was informed by that sort of first generation of meta writers for sure. But yeah, different. It was just different. It was, and I think that every season was different in its own way. I think a fourth season would be different. I don't know how I would handle a fourth season. It would be, I don't know if I could go back to that schedule. That was exhausting. Yeah, I bet. But season three aired in the summertime. It wasn't such a big deal. I could do it, you know, at my leisure because I'm a teacher. I was off school. 
Um, so it wasn't such a, a big deal, but you know, I don't know. Like if it's on Netflix, it'll all download at once, right? Like I don't, I can't even begin to imagine that that would do to my life. I hope it's not in October. <laughs> so it sounds like, are, are you like the kind of person who enjoys like watching things over and over again to see like what new things you can find in it? I do. I enjoy watching things over and over again just because I enjoy watching things over and over again. If I notice something new, that's great, but it's not a requirement at all. It's just yeah. to have the experience. And and I have the ability for the suspension of disbelief to just let it go and, and experience it like I was experiencing it the first time, which is a joy to me. Yeah, that sounds like a great skill. At this point, do you think that you're like rooting for a season four to be picked up or are you kind of like okay with it being done? I think I'm I think I've come to peace with it being done after all these years, but I don't think um but I but I wouldn't just like like if there was another season I wouldn't be like, "Oh, gee, it's so bad that <laughs> I got to be dumb, you know." <laughs> like I I mean, at the at the very I would be thrilled to see where it would go and and what they would do. Um and I don't I don't I don't know how I would react to it, but and uh and I it's it's certainly it's it's a lot more up in the air with in my mind. Um, maybe not season season three was pretty up in the air in my mind. Season two, I kind of had a I had had a handle on where they were going to go because of the way they talked about it beforehand. But they've been pretty vague uh, with what they might do with the season four. So I'm a little less certain. Yeah. Well, we did actually get an ask from a listener um, about that. Someone sent in. Um, I don't really have an ask, but your meta was what really got me into Hannibal, and for that I thank you. I love your writing and fix. You've been tight-lipped on your thoughts about post-follow Will and Hannibal, I think because you had quick ideas in mind, but can you tease anything? I always trusted your predictions for the show, and they were almost always right. I just want to know what you think any potential season four or five would look like. Um, I guess I'll add on to that, like, since I, was, I wasn't around while the show was actually airing, um, about the, like, predictions the predictions aspect, how did it feel to do predictions that were right? And were there any that were like wrong in interesting ways? <laughs> the, um, okay, nothing feels better than doing a prediction that's right. I mean, that feels <laughs> good. I, I'm not going to lie. It's like, it, especially, and, and on a weird sort of, maybe not entirely, this probably doesn't speak to my, well for, for my character, but like when people would complain, because they do, right? When people mm-hmm. would complain, they would be like, oh, the show has jumped the shark and blah, 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 whatever. And I would be like, well, I can't possibly think that the show jumped the shark because I actually predicted that it would do this thing back in December. And so, you know, which... I don't know. Like I said, that probably doesn't speak well to my character, but it was fun. <laughs> and uh, and then there just was kind of the way it happened. I was wrong about a few things. I um, I was sort of semi-right. I really wanted to see more of a relationship developing between Will and Freddie Lowndes. And, mm. um, and that sort of happened like they became in in cahoots in a way um, but they didn't it didn't go kind of where I thought it would be I had expected that Frederick Chilton uh, would having had Will in his asylum and be able to study him that what Will would experience that I did not expect them to get in you know essentially in bed together and um, 
and end up on the same side of the whole thing. So the whole thing with Frederick Chilton was uh, in season two was entirely a surprise to me. Um, so that was great. I, I actually and actually that's one of my favorite parts of season two because of that. But I wouldn't be surprised should we ever get around to a season in which Will or Hannibal or both of them were back in the Baltimore State Hospital um, for the criminally insane to be if they were at Chilton's hands because we know we know of course that Chilton's going to survive and be there um, if they if he would have especially now because he has plenty of motivation to want revenge at least on Will I would not be surprised to see him having a go at at getting the best revenge that he can. But that would probably not be season four. I think that might be a season five, should we ever get a season five. Mm -hmm. I think Chilton, he does seem to be like set up to be the next villain. Oh yeah. Because yeah, he's still alive. And he's like, he he almost has the same kind of like cartoonish villainy now, I think, as Mason in Mm -hmm. a very different way, but that same kind of like very enjoyable to watch. Yeah, it, it's a good thing that Raul Esparza is close with Brian Fuller, or because he would yeah. probably be thinking, "I'm going to have to be in the most incredible makeup when I go into a new season of that show if it ever happens." And so it's a good thing that he would probably do it, regardless. That's one thing, you know. We always worried about the rights and and is anybody going to pick it up and whatever. But at the very least, we know that every one of the actors that has ever worked with Brian is dying to work with him again. Yeah, and that is uh, such a blessing, right? You don't end up with any of those weird stories about oh, I worked with so and so and they were torturing us as actors and blah blah. Right. They yeah. know they want to work with Brian, and so if they possibly can, they will. And that's that's one thing that we always know we can look forward to should the show ever resume is um, that placement of characters. Oh, we got some more listener questions. This one overlapped pretty much with something that I wanted to ask, uh, which was, why did you start writing Meta for Hannibal? I guess we kind of covered that. But does it fulfill some other creative outlet than writing fic? And how do you think the two relate to each other? I would say I let my meta inform my fic. And so maybe if I weren't writing meta, I probably would not write the same fic that I am writing. Um, I don't know if I, you know, I never felt any any urge to write fic while the show was airing. Mm-hmm. So it was only when it ended that, I mean, I, I think I wrote like one little thing or two little things that were, you know, just impulse things. I think it was a poem and, uh, and you know, a response to a prompt that somebody gave stuff I could do in like 15 minutes. But the rest of it, the more involved fic that I've written since has been, you know, really about shoring up sort of places in the narrative where... I'm curious how, how it would have happened. And, and so I think for me, a primary purpose of writing fic is really because I would like to have seen what happened there. Yeah. And it, so it isn't in, of course, being a shipper, you know, like that, that feeds into that as well. Um, but that isn't the primary purpose for it being there. And so that, that's, really where fit goes and then whereas meta for me and and I think this has to do with like first I wanted to be a part of the conversation but the longer I was part of the conversation I wanted to like for me it was really important to help people understand and I think this has um a lot to sort of say about the way in which I reacted to certain things like when things became controversial or if people were arguing over certain points like it was frustrating to me to to have people muddying the waters when other people were struggling with understanding 
what it was that they were watching and uh and so you know like that that became a major driving focus of of times in which i engaged in debates um and things where i'm i'm now i'm looking back you know five years later going oh why did i do that um <laughs> but i know why i did that it was because i it was you know it was like come on you know i have i have six people in my inbox asking me why these things are the way they are and and it's not in my opinion it wasn't helpful to go certain directions with uh with the meta and it was um you know it was a struggle to sort of balance you know allowing people to let them get them what what they wanted out of it and then also being useful to the people that that felt like they needed me um and i'm not sure i always came out on the right side of that particular thing but in any case that's what meta does for me um i think first and foremost is i want to be um helpful like I, i i mean i'm a teacher like that's um that's what I want to do. And so when people have questions about what it is that they're watching, I want to be able to say, okay, let me help you as much as I, I think I can. And you have taught Hannibal as course content, right? I teach Hannibal as course content two or three times a year, actually. And I continue to teach. In fact, we just started it on last Thursday. Uh, <laughs> we are on, yeah, we are r- running through it. Um, I guess Thursday was yesterday. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I teach just the first season of Hannibal. Sometimes we, I, time allowing, I'm allowed to get into multiple seasons mm-hmm. just for fun. But um, for the most part, um, it's a senior class uh, at a high school, and um, it's called Horror and Suspense. And the kids, we spend quite a bit of time, um, like the primary purpose of the class is looking at cinematic text as text and being able to understand it textually and be able to, which is not something that comes naturally to people. And I think that it is more important in this day and age than it ever has been to be able to look at a piece of cinematic media and say, okay, this is saying this one thing and this is why it's saying it. And not all of that evidence has to come from the dialogue that comes out of the actor's mouths. Yeah. And um, and so that's what I spend, although I do cover the dialogue that covers that comes out of actors mouths. um, We spend the first two thirds of the trimester or trimesters um, working on the, you know, how to pull evidence from other pieces of uh, of cinematic media. And then once we've done all that kind of like hard work, then I then I roll out Hannibal and say, okay, because Hannibal's not light. Right. Like it's not Mm -hmm. a light watch. And you, you can you can get a lot out of it. You can teach a lot about symbolism and metaphor and foreshadowing and all the kinds of things that we teach about language arts in school um, from this particular work, um, especially about inference and obviously dramatic irony. You know, there's a whole wealth of cannibal puns that lend itself to <laughs> dramatic irony. Um, and so it really is a rich piece to pull from as a piece of literature. I'm so curious, how do your uh, students react to the show do they do they like it like what are some common reactions usually they like it very well I mean obviously everybody has tastes of their own and so some some like it more than others Um, I do have a few students who have gone on to become producing active members of the Fanable community community (laughs) who will shall remain nameless (laughs) do you know who they are like Uh, do they tell tell you like their usernames (laughs) 
Yeah, yes, some of them I do know, and some of them have happened across me on Tumblr and other places, and they figure out it's me, even though I haven't told them it's me, which is a little weird. And uh, and I, I have one student this year who's not in that class. She's only a sophomore. She's in my honors sophomore class, which is world literature. And uh, I had them do introductions to themselves at the beginning on Zoom and the beginning of the year, you know, so I could get a feeling of who they were. And she had a picture of her bookshelves of all of these books that she had. And uh, and she didn't talk about Hannibal specifically in the presentation, but when I got over and I asked her questions, I'm like, hey, I see Red Dragon is on your shelf there. And uh, are you into that? And then she just went off. She's like, oh, I am so into the Hannibal television series. And my mom and I watch it. And it's just the best thing in the world. And I'm like, you probably already know who I am. And I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds terrifying. (laughs) It is a little bit, yeah. Especially as a public school teacher where people are constantly in judgment of your activities outside of your job. Do you find that the reactions that they ha- that you have in terms of like I guess analysis and like how the the kids you're teaching understand the show like does that differ from what you were seeing like in the in the Tumblr kind of community or were you kind of always teaching the same groups of people I guess It's yeah, a lot of it is similar, right? Like the same questions that people had in the Tumblr community are the same questions that the kids have in the classroom. There's not really a, a difference in that. You know, yeah, 90% of it, I would say, is the same stuff. Um, you do occasionally get a kid. I mean, this is the true teaching in every way. Like that it's just like they spot something or think something that you never thought about. And there it is, even no matter how many times you've watched it or whatever. It's what's fun to me. Honestly, the... The, the two funnest things to me about teaching Hannibal, um, besides just watching some kids find the joy of it. Actually, I have like five things, so I'm just going to have to, you're just going to have to bear with me. <laughs> I have some kids, um, I've especially had some, uh, some transgender kids who have like, you know, been exploring that, that concept of being transgender and um, the queerness of Hannibal, you know, and then and then also having an adult like me be in, in their lives, you know, that, that, you know, can give them some, I guess, comfort in just accepting them as they are, um, has been one of the, the biggest parts of it. And that has been extremely gratifying to me. Um, but as far as like watching the show itself and what they get out of it, there's always some kids, the, the, the sort of absurd things are like, there's always some kids that are like, definitely in Will Graham's camp, right? And there's some kids that are definitely in the Hannibal Lecter camp. And and it, it's fun to sort of watch them kind of go at each other um, over what they think they ought to happen and uh, and who they're really rooting for in the end. And uh, and it goes to show, like, like, some of their interpretations of the characters have to do with how, you know, like, if, if they're really bought into the Hannibal point of view, they're like, nah, Will's a psychopath. <laughs> and they're like deep down we just want to get him to kill somebody and then they can go off and be in love forever and some of them are are not that way of course and then uh and and then of course like it's it's easily be it's easy to be gratifying like like one thing about tumblr is i had to always be reminding people that um or or proving that i had the right to make um 
which is right. I should be having to do this um, to make the claims and um, support them in the way that I could, that I had the credentials and the chutzpah, so to speak, to back it up. But you don't really have to do that in a classroom, right? Like when you're a teacher, you the, like kids just take your word for things. Um, so that makes things a lot easier in some ways. But uh, it does kind of help to to have gone through all of the questions. That's one of the reasons why. I mean, I rolled out the class in... Whew, I don't remember how many years ago it was now. I want to say it was 2015 or 16. So a few years ago, um, I proposed the class as a horror and suspense class that we would do certain things with. And it was helpful to me to have gone through all of the things I've gone through with Meta. Like I know Hannibal really well, and it's really helpful to know any piece of literature that you're going to teach really on the inside and out and be able to to kind of plan around that. So that's helpful too. I have no idea what your question was. I've forgotten that I've just gotten to talking. <laughs> no, that was great. I think that answered it. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I really love the idea of like an entire class full of kids like at each other's throats <laughs> and like whether or not Will Graham should murder people. <laughs> oh yeah, they, they're not necessarily at each other's throats, but they, they absolutely <laughs> are like, like I ask them as we get to the end of the season, I'm like, make predictions for the new season what do you think where do you think the show should go from here and they're like oh Hannibal needs to spring Will from jail and then you go off and murder together and I'm like well <laughs> you might need to wait till season three <laughs> I like those kids <laughs> they've got the right idea got some wrecks for those kids <laughs> yeah that's right yeah there's a few and I know a few that have gone in and read some but we'll try to keep that we'll try to keep their privacy safe yeah, good. <laughs> well, along those lines, I guess, someone did ask Will or Hannibal. <laughs> I'm not sure there's a definite answer to that. But in that same question, uh, they asked, what are some of your not-so-common headcanons for Will and Hannibal? Um, and I'll add here, um, like, I guess, the, the, the idea of headcanon, like, what is a headcanon, do you think? <laughs> You know, a headcanon for me, this is my understanding of it, but again, hey, I didn't get into fandom until until I in, encountered Hannibal, so I had to look up ship. I had to I had to look up what a headcanon was when I first encountered it. Um, so this is the definition I learned from Urban Dictionary way back in the day. Uh, <laughs> is uh, it has to be it's something that's not um, you know, provable in the text of the work itself, but can't be disproved, proven by the, the work in the text itself. Um, I don't think I have too many of those. Like, I, I'm sorry to be disappointing here, but um, I don't know. I, I, I really struggle. Like, if I, those things that I have written into fic, this would be the place that I would put something like that in, in a fic, would be, you know, these, these things where I have ideas about where I think it, it might have gone or where I think it did go or, or you know, given that we, we ended the show before it was at the end, like explore those versions of those things. Um, but I think maybe it just has to do with my own psychology that I just don't marry stuff like that too much. Um, that, you know, until I see it, you know, I, I headcanon that it would go this way, and, and if I have enough pieces of evidence, I might say maybe it's a little stronger than a, a headcanon, but I don't really have, you know, something I'm like, oh, this is something I'm really married to this idea of. So, I don't know. That's the best I can do. Yeah, that's fair. I, I like that answer. That makes sense to me, because I actually I think for me, like, when I think of a headcanon, I almost think of things that are 
almost opposed to the text. I think that's how, like, if I were to describe something as a headcanon for myself, it would be like, I, I couldn't say that this happened reasonably, but I like to think about it is probably how I would describe that. In which case, like, I agree with you, probably I'd put it in a fic, but if I weren't going to do that, I don't know how I would conceive of that, especially if, if like you, I were engaged in writing so much meta kind of attempting to make truthful statements. Yeah, it's hard to um, to sort of make a commitment when your your primary job is meta, right? Like you have to kind of maintain a certain objectivity about what it is that you're experiencing. So like the, uh, um, shoot, what's the, the name? I don't even remember the names of my own fic at this point in time. Uh, Holes in the Floor of the Mind, that one that I wrote. Oh, yeah. That one is, is one where, where I've written that Hannibal learns about Will's marriage to Molly while he's still in prison. I don't think that really happened. I really don't yeah. think that that would have happened. I don't think that the show supports that that happened. But if it did happen, then this is my version of how that would go. So, I mean, I guess that would be a headcanon of the, the way that would go. But, yeah, like it, yeah, like we said, it's, it's just kind of a – that's that's the where fic becomes fun is exploring those alternate paths that the story could take and yet didn't. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because I feel – kind of similarly about headcanons coming from a different direction, where I, I really admire meta writers, and I like reading meta, but I'm much more oriented toward writing fic. And yet I feel like I also don't really have headcanons, because I'm more interested in exploring uh, possibilities and, like, what could happen, and playing with things rather than, it, like like you said, what I think actually would have happened. Like, what I think would happen in a season four is not in any of the fics I've written. I've written a lot of fics. Because I think what I think would happen is really depressing in a way I don't want to write. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of have that in, in my head, too, with um, with this. Like, I had this sort of formulation in my mind about what I would do if I had season four at my hands. But I hear Brian talk about it, and I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's not what Brian would do if he, <laughs> yeah. know, if he had his chance. But that's okay, you know. All things can exist. Yeah, that's why I'm a little bit in that rare camp of fanables who would prefer no season four, because I'm like, man, we got a happy ending. I firmly believe this is the only one we're getting. I don't want to see the story continue. My my attitude on that is that it would be, I don't know, maybe I'm just very practiced in this, right? Because I've watched lots of shows and things where I'm just like, yeah, that movie doesn't exist. Or that that you know that sequel. I know the Matrix Three. Yeah, it didn't happen. Right. Um, you know, so you know, for me, like if if Hannibal, I kind I very much doubt that I would watch anything that Brian and Mass and and Hugh would put together and be disappointed in it. I mean, it's hard for me to believe. Like all of my experience tells me that I would watch something that they would put together and I would enjoy it. But Let's say that I didn't enjoy it. Eh, I can still dismiss it. Like, I'm, I'm fully capable of that. I'll write some fic that'll do it the way I wanted it to happen. And whatever, it'll all be good. And then I could have both versions. To me, that's just the best of both worlds. That seems like a good way to look at it. Might as well just take it positively. I feel like that trust in, like, the product is a big part of it for me. In that, like, I agree, I agree with you. Like, none of any, nothing I've written 
has ever resembled like what I think would happen. But that's because what I think would happen is that Brian Fuller would write what Brian Fuller likes to write. And Mm -hmm. that's completely different from what I like to write. But that doesn't mean that I wouldn't like to watch his thing because clearly I would. So I want to, you know, I want to see, I want to see what he does, but that's going to be something completely different from what anyone else does. Well, even besides the whole, like what, where the story would go and what it would do. I just want to watch you dancing Miss Wigglesen do their thing. Like, I don't even care what's in it. Like, I just want to watch them do their thing. <laughs> How can we go wrong? We can't go wrong. You know, they're such enjoyable actors to watch and they're enjoyable actors to watch together. And, and you just, they, they aren't going to screw it up. Whatever it, uh, they could, Ryan could screw it up. I guess that's possible. But, but I don't think Mess and Hughes would, would screw it up. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of writing, you mentioned that you have a few books you're revising. What's your, what's your other writing like? So I did fantasy writing um, earlier in life and wrote some books, like a, a, a trilogy of books, and I got pretty close to getting published on that um, by a New York publisher, but did not happen. Actually, 2001, um, the bombing of the World Trade Center got in the way of that. And I don't know if it would have happened, um, but I do know that, that, it, uh, that it made it not happen for sure. Um, but uh and then i and then you know you grow older and you're like and you look back at these things and you're just like oh my god that was shit i'm so glad that that did not get published oh my god i made that my <laughs> name associated with that giant giant pile of crap that i produced three of um yeah so that's kind of where that has gone i have not uh i've sat down and done some reworking of what it would be um i don't know if i would stick with fantasy as a genre that i would be interested in um entirely there are things i've kind of discovered as i've gotten older that i like writing um and stories that have children in them and or are um, pointed toward children um, there's something about the potential and the fantastical quality and the ability to imagine anything in the opening of the universe that is accessible to children um, but not accessible to adults that really appeals to me and so whatever I do I think there will probably be some element of childhood in it and that's really past that I really couldn't say I did sit down recently and just kind of say to myself well self what should I, how, what do I want to go with my writing now? What do I want to do? And that's one of the reasons I actually finished the most recent fic that I finished with Hannibal. I'm like, I want, first thing I want to do is finish these things that I've started and, uh, and just kind of get that polish and exercise back under my belt. And then I'll go from there after that. So we'll see. We'll see where it goes. I don't know. Yeah. That was such a nice surprise to see a fic from you in my inbox. Oh, such a nice surprise to hear that you've got me subscribed. <laughs> yeah, I when I first got into Hannibal fandom, uh, right before I dragged Tayan along with me, I reached the end of the series and was just like, I needed to know more about these characters and this world. And um, your meta was actually one of the first things I found. Awesome. And it was so great to just get to like roll around in it. <laughs> you yeah, know? there's enough of it to roll around in for a really long time. <laughs> Yeah. So just to say, I, I really enjoy your work a lot. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I don't know if you have anything to say to this, but I'm always fascinated by people who can also do art because I have never, like, I never learned art as a child. Was that something that you, like, always knew how to do? Or, like, how does making fan art affect, like, how you look at the look at the visuals of the show, if it does? 
I think it must. I sometimes think about that when I think about the fact that I teach Hannibal and, and one of the reasons why it's so difficult to find, you know, because we've, we've got high school in, in this country at least, um, is, you, you know, it's been compared a lot to, you know, a, a factory line assemblage of, um, you know, all the different parts. So you have, you're trying to make a whole person, right? And then you have the expert that knows science comes in and does science. And the expert that knows math comes in and does math. And the expert that knows language arts comes in and does that. Um, and within that, we have very few experts that know enough about multiple the the you know because cinema is multi-dimensional right and um that knows enough about all the different pieces of it like you know like like i know for certain right now like that the, the work that i do with the sound design for example in any given piece of literature that i use as a cinematic text is substandard compared to what i can do um, with both the art design and the writing for the same work. And I can do a little bit with camera work and editing because I have a background in acting and, and I have a background in, uh, in film um, from classes and stuff that I've taken in the past. Um, so it's very difficult to sort of, you know, find a person that... Um, that has enough expertise in the multiple the multiple dimensions of a film in order to be able to teach about it and the so I guess that kind of I'm certain it must have something to do with you know how I, I formulate fic in my mind I mean I do I know that I do tend to as I imagine scenes I imagine them in a very cinematic fashion like you know I, I'm thinking about them as camera you know like like what can be seen from this camera angle and what can be seen from you know this camera angle and we're going to cut back and forth and here's a close-up so as we get to you know I might be at a wide shot in my head and then describing like the whole scene and describing like if it were crossing Canada describing the ocean and and the the boat and the things that you can see from that image but then in my head I'll be switching to a medium shot or a close-up shot to um, to what the characters are doing and that's where you get expression and things like that that kind of all goes along in my head for fic writing I don't um, and then obviously it must have some effect on meta writing to, too and I'm sure there's a relationship there between the fact that I do art but I actually have extremely limited extremely limited art training um, like I, I took art in seventh grade I took art in eighth grade and I took art in twelfth grade and I took stage makeup when I was in college. That's my entire formal training for art. So I, when it came time to be like, okay, I want to do some digital art, like, and and to this day I still can't use Photoshop. I don't understand it. I don't. The layers thing doesn't make any sense to me. Um, it just I, I have to really. I'm sure I'm not using any of these programs efficiently. I have to really guess and and just kind of self teach and and if I can stand it, watch a YouTube video every now and again on how to do a thing. And, uh, and hope that it all comes together at the end. So I really don't know what I'm doing when it comes to art. Um, so it's just a minimal amount of, of training and, and, uh, and a whole lot of spirit, I guess. That's a good point about kind of, I mean, especially at the high school level, like teachers not often having a, a level of breadth and depth to be able to teach stuff like that. And it made me think like maybe that's something that is valuable about fandom is that it's kind of a place where 
you can do all sorts of different activities and you don't need to necessarily be at a professional level for all or even any of them to be able yeah. to create like a, a larger work than than you could in in any other place maybe yeah and for sure and for and for sure that in in fandom you know and i would say this just as a teacher of language arts um watching like the quality of writing like we you know like fan um fan writing you know fanfic in general is dissed on you know almost universally for being low quality and there are probably some good reasons for that Um, let's be real but on the other hand and this is the other side of that same coin when I have a student come in and is writing a piece of fiction the quality of fiction that they are able to write if they have a fan fiction background from the get-go is head and shoulders above the quality of fiction that I remember reading when I was in my workshopping classes in college. So I was a writing major, so I took all these creative writing workshops, and they were crap, like not the workshop, but the, the writing that I read in those, and I sit down to a piece of fan fiction, and I'm like, yeah, okay, maybe this could be refined, and this person who's training this way, or whatever, but but the baseline quality, the, the absolute worst of the worst, is still so much better than the middle of the crowd, average person who was writing at the college level back, I hate to say this, 25 years ago. So... <laughs> Uh, you know, like it, it really is such a, a wonderful and important part of what we do as a culture and, and fandom is, is to nurture these skills within people. And even without um, the necessity for for, you know, critical commentary, you know, like that's a, that's such a, a touchy issue in fandom um, that people they read so much and they, they work on it and they grow so much as writers and they just can do so much more and they learn so much more through that process that it is just one of the most amazing things that I've been able to witness. I agree. Well, thank you so much for being a part of that. I think a lot of people, I don't know, discovered essay writing maybe through, through through your work, I feel like. Oh God. (laughs) Maybe maybe not essay. Maybe maybe essay writing is just too formal. Uh, I don't know. Do you consider it essay writing that you're doing? Oh, it's definitely essay writing. Absolutely. 100% essay writing. Um, I was uh, recently, I went back, I don't know what I was doing, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to check out the Hannibal meta tag and see what's in there. And, um, and I, there isn't much, right? So <laughs> don't get overexcited. Um, but uh, but I read through some quite a bit of writing that was been produced in like the last eight months, and I'm like, oh, that's pretty good. I, I don't have any like I, like objection or like fire me up to come argue with these people. Like <laughs> I, I feel pretty good about that. So I'm like, well, maybe I do have a legacy of some sort that's going on. For good or evil. All anyone wants is a legacy. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for being here with us today. Yeah, thank you for talking to us. It was a pleasure. Yeah, I really appreciate the chance to come out and and talk to you guys and and, uh, just kind of get in touch with the fandom again. It's uh, it's wonderful. And if someone managed to get through this entire interview without knowing who you are or where to find you on the internet, where should they come (laughs) to find you? I am at uh, bonarena of my skull dot uh, tumblr dot com, and um, and I am Fever Dream Blood Opera on uh, Ao3. 
that's such a good AO3 name. Yeah, I saw. I heard that. I heard you, Dancy, say that. I'm like, oh, I'm taking that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think we also said that we would tell you re- regarding the other na- username, Bonarina of My Skull. Someone, I think Hope mentioned you or something on this podcast before, and a listener who is not an Animal fandom. When we like announced, uh, like we said on Twitter or something that we were going to be interviewing you, and someone was like, oh bone arena like not having watched Hannibal <laughs> that they didn't understand that that was the phrase <laughs> and we're interpreting it as bone arena no you got cut off so the only oh, thing no. that happened was you said bone in really yeah. slow motion it's yeah. hilarious you're just like oh <laughs> bone okay that was literally that bit from Brooklyn Nine-Nine so, okay someone from someone from outside the fandom who had only heard your name like uh, verbally, thought it was like bonerina, like ballerina, but a boner. Yeah, I, I get that from time to time. I'm okay with that. That's uh, that's a, a you know I picked bonerina of my skull because um, when I first created the Tumblr, I needed an original name. I needed a canon name, and um, and I needed something that was, and I, I, I wasn't sure because I had had a live journal back in the day. I thought maybe I would talk more about personal stuff that never really, really materialized too much on my Tumblr. So I thought, but Bone Arena of my skull, I thought that would be great to sort of reference the fact, the thoughts that are kicking around in my mind. Um, so that's where I, I went with that. And But I, I've had the boner, boner arena of my skull like many, many, many times. And I'm not too worried about that. It's, it's acceptable. Yeah. That's an acceptable loss. <laughs> sorry, sorry to bring that one up again. Past is doing business on the internet. <laughs> yeah, you just figure it's coming. Literally, maybe. All right. Well, if anyone would like to look us up, we're at Conjoined Pod on Twitter and Conjoined Podcast on Tumblr. And uh, we will see everyone in two weeks. All right. Thank you so much. Goodbye.